For those watching online, uh, welcome. For those of you that are here at the service, um, just going to explain to you really quick what's going on. And if ushers, you can go ahead and receive the uh, offering buckets. And as they're doing that, one thing, just a side note, I don't know why I remember this, but if you have the offering bucket and you're on the last one on the row, hold it. Don't put it on the floor. Then they got to bend down, go back. Just hold it and wait for them to come by. Why I said that, I don't know. But um, all right, here's the deal. Uh, I was preaching in the earlier service and was going and realized halfway through, there's no way I'm getting through this. There's no way. And uh, so I thought, I need to make this into a two-part sermon. And uh, I, I, I couldn't, I, I thought, what am I going to do next week's Easter? Uh, how do you move Easter? You can't. And uh, so I just decided on the fly while I'm preaching, and yes, I am multitasking. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going for it. I'm going to do part two at the later service, and we'll show part one to everyone. I'll do part two here, and then that'll just go online, and then people can watch it. So if you're here at the six o'clock service, you are getting part two. You missed part one um, of today. Does that make sense? Okay. You're all confused. Okay. But I don't want to even say this, which is really part four of a three-part series because we're adding. Sorry, it's all, it's all good. Okay, so um, you need to go online and see this, and it won't be available till Tuesday because something's wrong with the internet. So, or you could watch live stream tomorrow, and then you'd be able to see part one. There you go. Okay, so there you go, and then everybody else. We'll need to watch part two. All right, it's all working. So welcome to those that are watching online and uh, here at church. We're, we're continuing this here, and let me give you a quick review of what was in the previous uh, sermon here. Uh, we believe the power of the Holy Spirit is for today. We believe the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for today. The gifts of the Spirit are there. Um, we believe that speaking in tongues is for today, and although some people struggle with that, I believe the struggle is not that we're um, unworthy, because it's all by grace we receive everything we get from God. And some people have said that if you don't speak in tongues uh, right away, that somehow God has withheld the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I pray to people, they're very emotional, things are going on, they're feeling the presence of God. But I would say this, God is not withholding the baptism in the Holy Spirit above you, like you just got to get worthy enough, and then he gives it to you. If there's any problem with it, it's here, okay? It's that we don't know how to speak it out. We're struggling with our thoughts. We're struggling with past things that we've heard, like it's not for today, or it's not for you, or not everybody gets it, or whatever. And so any struggle that happens, I believe, is here, not here. In matter of review, I'm just getting you caught up to speed. We believe that these gifts are for today, and uh, I just want to read the passage here, if the guys can follow with me on the tech team, the men and women there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. The Bible says this, the Apostle Paul is writing, he says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues." 
All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. That's our text for today. Now, I've broken these gifts down into three uh, groups of three. The first uh, grouping of gifts are the discerning gifts, okay? These that we talked about in the previous sermon are a word of knowledge, uh, discerning of spirits, where you're able to discern when there's an evil spirit or an evil presence. The Holy Spirit will help you to identify that. There is the word of wisdom. Those are the discerning gifts that are available to the body of Christ. Following that, we have the dynamic gifts, and I talked about this last sermon. Um, there's the gift of faith, which could be said in a contemporary way as um, supernatural confidence, and uh, I have had that happen many times in my life. Um, then there's also supernatural healing, and I won't go all into it, but it doesn't mean you're a faith healer, but it means that each of us has the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to function in supernatural healings. Then there's supernatural miracles, and we believe miracles still happen today. Uh, God is alive. He is real. The Holy Spirit is present uh, here. And as long as that's the case, miracles can still happen, will happen, and we need to pray for this. So that gets us through two of the groupings of the nine gifts. Now, the third grouping of gifts is declarative gifts. These are gifts that declare the truth or a supernatural message. And the first one I want to speak about here is prophecy. It's a prophetic message of encouragement. It's a message of encouragement from God. It's something that is delivered from a human to another person or to a person's, to a gathering of people. It might happen in a church. It might happen in a life group setting. Um, some will say, does this happen in our church? I can tell you that it does. Many times God uses our, our pastors, our elders, and because of the size of our church, um, we have not had that where it functions where people speak out in the church because we're to judge it as elders and leaders. And then when we don't know everyone in the church, I mean, you may not know this, but I don't know everyone's name. Um, I don't know all about you. Sometimes I'm in places and I'll meet people that go to our church. I'll be on an airplane. They go to our church. I've been in Sydney, Australia, and people have come up to me. I go to your church. I mean, I'm in a restaurant. How many know I get that look like they're like, hey, you're you're my pastor, you know, and uh, because we don't know everyone in that way, we've, we've grown so fast and we're a large church, we've said we would like to see those prophetic gifts function in smaller settings, also through our leadership, through our pastors and elders, so they can be judged and we can hold our responsibility where we're called to judge them and make sure things are done decently in order. But I assure you, they are happening. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, their encouragement, and their comfort. And I want to let you know that people that say their prophets are prophetic, um, if it's not in that way a positive message, if it's not for strengthening, encouragement, or comfort, they are missing the point. Some people feel that they are prophetic and they're going to tell you all sorts of mean stuff and they're like, the prophet word killed that ministry, it's no good, you know, and it's like, no, 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 don't take on that. I had one guy, he came into one of our church services, not here, another church I pastored, and he had a, a, a Scottish, is it kilt, is that what the dress is, Scottish kilt, and he comes out, I said, oh, you're from Scotland, he goes, nope. I go, really, you're, you're, you're wearing a Scottish kilt here, you know, and he goes, I'm a prophet and I must, I must be rejected by man, and I said, That'll work right there. That'll work. That's going to work, yeah. Okay? 
So he had this prophetic edge to a mean thing going on. It's not what it says. <laughs> They're out there, all right? But prophetic gifting, when it's done in the church, is done like this. And I want to read to you one of the prophecies. I've read it. It's from one of our elders, and it was running downhill. And we used this as a word from God for our church and said, get ready. Momentum is now set. Hang on. Don't stop. Don't look back. Run with purpose. This run will be different. It's full of great momentum. It's a run downhill. I'm just reading highlights from it. I won't read it all. But he says, my plan is that you run downhill. Don't stop running. Don't fight my momentum. Cooperate. Start running and never quit. Some will say you've done enough. Slow down. Be satisfied. But I say believe for more so you can do more and reach more. It's not time to stop. It's not time to slow down. It's time to cooperate with momentum and run downhill. You have a willing heart. You have an aim. So run. Run downhill. That is a prophecy that God used in our church through someone that has this gift that has been baptized in the Holy Spirit and said, God, as you give me these things, I will write these down. I'll hand them in to our pastor. These things will be judged. And as he sees to use it in our church, we will use these gifts to grow the church, to edify. And I can tell you, our decisions we made in the last two years have been through that filter of running downhill. When we look at starting another campus, we remember the word the Lord spoke to us. We can't say it's time to stop. We can't say it's time to sit down. We say it's time to do more, and we want to say, God, what more do you want us to do? Right now, we're trying to launch two more campuses. We're trying to buy things. The other day, I, I tried to buy a building from a church that was dying, and I offered them $2 million uh, to buy their building. And I said, just let us have your building, and you can become a campus. And if you don't like it, you're all saved anyways. You can go find another church, but let us have your building. I mean, you're dying. And they were like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, they, they just had never heard of it. I didn't even know if I should do that, but I just wanted it. I wanted to reach more people. I was thinking, let's go. You've got a key building in a key location where we could reach thousands. Can we please do this? We are trying to run downhill because we feel that the Lord has spoken a prophetic message to us. It's a great gift for the church. Another thing that happens in this, there's the messages in unknown languages, tongues. There's messages in tongues. And I want to let you know where to discuss this. It's different than a prayer language. This is a specific gift to speak out in tongues. And gift number eight, if you're keeping track, always goes with gift number nine, the interpretation of those tongues. The Apostle Paul is very clear that if in the instance that that happens in a church, in a life group, in a small group, in a gathering, that someone speaks out audibly in an unknown tongue, that if you're in that group, there should be an interpretation. Matter of fact, he says, we will wait on the interpretation. Gift eight and gift nine go together in the public setting. Now, the biggest correction of this, the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, it's really about the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. He's saying, guys, you are going for it. It's going like crazy. There's a lot going on. And he's like, you're, you're, you're getting excited about the gifts, and I just want to help you get it all in order here. And between chapter 12 and chapter 14, he talks about love. So he's kind of telling them, like, guys, remember, all the gifts are there for love, and our, our key goal is to love God. Our key goal is to win people to Jesus. These gifts are for that, and you guys are going crazy in church, and when you're going crazy in church, you're liking that, but non-believers think you're crazy. 
And so he's correcting crazy here. And he says, when one gift is used, the other has to be there. And if you're going to do it, two, three, max. He puts a limit on it. He doesn't say a minimum, but he says a max. Because he says, guys, we've got to do this. Remember, we are on mission to reach them. And he says, I'd rather that you'd prophesy. I'd rather that you'd read things like run downhill. I'd rather that you'd read that because you read that. And non-believers are like, whoa, I've never heard anything like that. That's incredible. I've never been a part of a church like that. This is cool. God is speaking to us. Everybody understands it. The Apostle Paul says, I'd rather speak five words in a language we all understand than a whole bunch they don't. And if we have that in tongues, let's make sure that we interpret this because we can't miss out. It's for the benefit and blessing. We need to build God's church. Now, as we try to understand tongues, I'm going to tell you this, we are still trying to understand it more and more and more as we function in it, as we study it, as we learn, as we look at the Bible and try to understand all that God is speaking to us. And I want to let you know we don't have it all figured out, all right? Some may think, well, I thought our church had it all figured out. We have a position on it, but we don't have it all figured out, okay? I'm just letting you know we're dealing with the supernatural here, all right? We are dealing with the supernatural. And I want to let you know this, that when the first missionaries of the Assemblies of God uh, came together and knew that they could be baptized in the Holy Spirit and they would get a prayer language, all the missionaries thought this. This is true. They all thought, we will pray for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We will get a prayer language, but that prayer language will be a foreign language. We'll just find out what foreign language that is. We'll skip language school and we'll be able to go. (laughs) That's kind of like praying, Lord, give me wisdom as I didn't study for this test. But just give me all the right answers. How many know what I'm talking about? You've prayed that, haven't you? But they were hoping that they'd get that. Then when they found out, no, that wasn't the case. When they found out that wasn't the case, they said, okay, Lord, this is an empowering gift. And whether we get that gift of tongues for our culture or not, we want the gift of tongues to pray and to be able to be edified in what the Bible says but we understand that we may have to go to language school. So we're trying to understand this. Now, I believe that in the New Testament, there are two different kinds of tongues. There is a prayer language or a grace of tongues, and there is a gifting of tongues, which Corinthians talks about, a charismatic gift that is there that is in conjunction with interpretation. Now, you would say, but the Apostle Paul says, do all speak in tongues? And he kind of says, and I've had people say like, wait a minute, Um, you know, Apostle Paul says, do all speak in tongues? And they use that as like, see, not everybody has to have that one, okay? But I want to let you know this. Jesus said this. He says, these signs will follow for those that believe in my name. They will speak in tongues. Jesus said, everybody's going to have it. It's a sign that you're a follower. Paul's, okay, so do you understand if you weigh one against the other? Do you see what I'm saying? So it's one of these things where you can't say, okay, just because Paul said it there, we're going to grab hold of that one. Let's take it in context, and let's realize there are two different words that are used here. There's one word that is used, doria, when it's talking about tongues. I believe this is the grace of tongues that we all can receive. It's found in Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, 1 Corinthians 14. It means it's a gratuity without charge. It's available to all, okay? And so it seems that when we look through the book of Acts, all of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. They spoke in other tongues. They received this 
grace, if you will, of a prayer language to be able to communicate through the power of the Holy Spirit with God. It was, it was a, something that was given to all of them. Then the Apostle Paul is talking about charismata. He's talking about a charismatic gift that is given with interpretation. And when he says, do we all speak in tongues, he uses that word. So we believe that there is a public form with interpretation, and there is a private form that is a prayer language. And you look, Jude uh, verse 20 talks about that. We see other places. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 in the NIV, it says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So we have two, public and private. Now, let me just explain the difference. Public tongues is spoken always with an interpretation. Private is spoken to God, okay? Private is spoken, doesn't need an interpretation. Public has to be interpreted. It has to. Again, no need on the private. Um, Public edifies the body if it has an interpretation. Private edifies the believer. When you just pray and you're building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the spirit, it edifies you. Public with interpretation is a sign to the believers. Public without interpretation is confusion to the believers. And when you're in a personal moment, you're praying and it doesn't, there's no non-believers around, you're just praying. I can be in my car praying in my personal prayer language, okay? I can be praying. I can be praying under my breath in my prayer language. I can be praying all the time. I don't need an interpretation. And just so you know, um, our philosophy at River Valley Church, just so you know, I mean, nobody's going to be speaking in tongues in a microphone like this up here unless we know it's tongues with interpretation. And you're like, I've been here for years and it hasn't happened. I'm just telling you, it's a rule with the staff. Nobody speaks in tongues in a microphone unless you know for certain you have the interpretation, all right? That's just the rule, all right? Another thing with that. In our prayer meetings, it's kind of the rule and the kind of way that we've, as elders, said we're going to disciple this or pastor this or lead this. As people are praying in a prayer meeting, we are assuming that everyone that is there is a believer. So as you're in a prayer meeting, it is okay for you to pray in tongues. I kind of say, use your inside voice. You know what I mean? Like when you tell kids, like, use your inside voice or your outside voice. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And I would say, it's okay to do that. You don't have to go bursting and blurting it out really loud, but sometimes people get excited about it. But you go ahead and you just pray and you can pray. And then you're like, we don't need an interpretation because we're all believers and we understand that the prayer that they're doing there is actually just a prayer in their prayer language. They don't know exactly how to pray. The Spirit is helping them to pray and they are communing with God and they're being edified as they do this, okay? Now, um, contrary to popular belief, people that speak in tongues are not unstable. How many are glad to hear that? All right? And I have proof. All right? There's an article that the New York Times did, all sorts of people carried. It It was a study done by the University of Pennsylvania, and it was a neuroscientific look at speaking in tongues. And I want to read a little bit of this to you. It says, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania took brain images of five women while they spoke in tongues and found that their frontal lobes, the thinking, willful part of the brain through which people control what they do, were relatively quiet, as were the language centers. The regions involved in maintaining self-consciousness were, however, active. 
The women were not in blind trances, and it was unclear which region was driving the behavior. Okay, so think about this. They hook up electrodes. They study the blood flow on the brain. They have these ladies sing. They, what they did is they actually sang songs. And they saw that when they were doing that, the frontal lobe and all this, and where the language, it was all active with blood flow. Then they said, all right, stop. Now speak in tongues. And as they prayed in their prayer language, that place started to go dormant, and another spot activated. See, some of us, we were trying to figure out how to speak in tongues and how does this happen with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And you're thinking frontal lobe, I got a language, uh, you learn Spanish, you're trying not to confuse that one in there and you're all focused, you know? And, and the Lord's like, just relax, relax, okay? So this is what it's saying. And we have neuroscientific proof that shows that this is going on, which is pretty cool because let me skip down, tech team, go with me to 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 to 15. What Paul wrote this way before neuroscientific uh, research. He said, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Isn't that interesting? He said, I, I don't understand it. I'm not going all frontal low. I'm, I, but I tell you what, I like it. I like it. I don't know what's happening. But before they proved it, he was there. It says, this is the images, these images are the first kind taken during this spoken religious practice, which has its roots in the New Testament. The way they describe it and what they believe is that God is talking through them. In the study, uh, the research used imaging techniques to track changes in the blood flow. The woman, one of the women who was part of the study said, you're aware of your surroundings. You're not really out of control, but you have no control on the words, you're just flowing. You're in a realm of peace and comfort. It's a fantastic feeling. Now, this is the part. Contrary to what may be a common perception, studies suggest that people who speak in tongues rarely suffer from mental problems. A recent study of nearly 1,000 evangelical Christians in England found that those who engaged in the practice were more emotionally stable than those that did not. Okay, because sometimes you get labeled as, you're the crazy Christian, you're the crazy charismatic, and this is neuroscientific proof saying, no, 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 and people doing studies saying, wait a minute, these people, now, what we've allowed it to happen is a few people that just go off and are a little crazy, and because maybe they're not being pastored, right, they just, we just go off and do whatever. When I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, true story, I went around to everybody I knew that had a foreign language, kind of like those missionaries, and I was like, can I try this out on you? And they're like, sure. And I did it, and they're like, yeah, I got no clue. I was like, mm -mm, Portuguese, off the list. I mean, I really did. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So I just didn't know. And, and can you imagine? They're all like crazy Christian. I was part of the crazy Christian crew there, okay? I didn't want to be, but we have to pastor this, and we have the proof now. Now, Jack Hayford wrote a book, The Beauty of uh, a Spiritual Language, and he gave some points, and I want to give those to you. And he says, though I speak in tongues, he said, I'm going to tell you some things about me. He said, I am an intelligent person, and I would echo that. And by that, mean, I don't mean like I'm super smart. I, what I mean by this is... I'm reasonable, I'm coherent, I'm rational, I'm not mindless, I'm not scatterbrained, I'm not gullible, okay? I don't take leave of my mental faculties. I, I, I know who I'm praying to. I am in control of this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Although I don't know the content, it's very real. And I'm an intelligent person. I, I don't chase after crazy things. And I, I agree with what he's saying here. 
And even though we don't know what we're praying, we still are intelligent people. And let me say this, just because a language is not known by us doesn't mean it's not legit. Do you know that there are over 6,000 languages on the planet right now? And no one person has ever mastered more than 100 of them. So before anybody goes and says, you know, well, you're crazy and your language is gibberish and it doesn't work, no, it is legit. And the Bible says it could be tongues of men or tongues of angels. It could be something that you don't even know is a language on this earth. And there have been other studies that have been done by those that speak in tongues, and they've said it is a language. It is a form. It is something that is legit. Interesting story. I was in a church service where this lady was going, whoop, whoop. And I was like, man, that's crazy. That's just crazy. That's crazy. And there's this guy from Africa there, and he, he was weeping. I was in the service. And he said, that's like the highest praise in our culture. That's like the highest, coolest thing ever. And he's weeping. I've been in services where somebody gave a tongue and an interpretation, and all of a sudden somebody was in the group, and they go, how did you know? How did you know Hebrew? And they're like, I don't know Hebrew. They're like, that was perfect Hebrew. Or they, I've been in there where they said, how did you know that? How did you know I was from there? And you said that message like that. And they're like, I didn't know. I, 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 this is just my prayer. This is just tongues. So I'm telling you what, we're intelligent people. We don't just cut loose of all of our mental faculties. We are intelligent people. Though we speak in tongues, we're sensible people. We have a resistance to the crazy, okay? We, you, and if you remember in the series when I started this, remember I said, I speak in tongues, and I said, remember, you thought I was normal before this, all right? I'm a sensible person. Though I speak in tongues, and though many in our church speak in tongues, we are still fallible people. We are still fallible. We are not perfect. We just have new giftings that we operate in. Just because someone says uh, this is a prophecy or this is a word of knowledge or this is a word of wisdom, the Bible says we are to test it. We are to see if it lines up with the word of God. We are to have our elders and our spiritual leaders look into this, okay? So we just don't blindly tell, oh, they're baptizing the Holy Spirit. That's a gift for sure. They're infallible. No, no, no. We still are fallible. Interesting thing, it doesn't make us perfect, it makes us empowered. In 1 Corinthians 14, 4, where it says edify ourselves, that word actually means to increase our potential. I like that. I like to increase my potential. And people say, well, are you saying I'm not good with, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm saying, no, you're good. You'd just be better if you get it. That's all. You'll increase your potential. That's all I'm saying. You're not bad. You'll just increase your potential. Though I speak with tongues, I'm a reliable person. Let me tell you this. I own a watch. I know what time church ends. And some people are like, oh, the Holy Spirit, we're just going to go for it. And you'd go to church, and it was every week. It was like as long as the pastor wanted to, and they blamed it all on the Holy Spirit. Sorry, we went for four hours, people. And, you know, and, and the kids are all sitting there like, we hate this church. We hate this church. You know, I used to say, if you want to judge if the Holy Spirit's moving, look at the kids because they won't fake it. <laughs> know what I'm saying? You look at the youth group and the youth group's like, whoa, you know it's God because they're not going to play the game, okay? But sometimes professional Christians can kind of, oh, it's all the Holy Spirit. We don't have a watch. We're staying until whatever. Okay, I'm a reliable person. I'm not unpredictable. Though I speak with tongues, I'm Christ-centered, and I want to say this very strongly. We have 
uh, a spirit-filled ministry here, but it's very Christ-centered. We want people to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. And every gift we have is to help propel the church to be more effective to reach people for Jesus Christ. Spirit-filled groups, if you put all of them together around the world, we're the second largest group behind Catholics, okay? And we have the most missionaries of anyone else out there. There are more missionaries coming from spirit-filled churches. Why? Because when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and you have the turbo power, it's the turbo power to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you want to do more. You can't help it. You just want to go faster, do more, reach more people. We are Christ-centered. Though I speak with tongues, I'm a happy person. I like funny, not silly. I like happy, not goofy. I have joy. I have joy. Though I speak with tongues, I face challenges just like everyone else. But I have new gifts and more power to face those challenges. New gifts new power to face those challenges. By faith, we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. By faith, we speak in tongues. And you say, but Pastor Rob, I just, I can't get past it. I can't get past it. Let me just ask you this. Can you, by faith, pray in English to your Heavenly Father? That takes faith. That takes faith. You have to believe that He exists. You have to believe that He rewards, the Bible says, those that diligently seek Him. You have to believe that He'll answer prayer. You have to believe that you're not praying to the ceiling, but you're actually praying to a God that cares. And if you can have the faith to pray in English, you can have the faith to pray in tongues when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you need to grab hold of that and, 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 and receive that. Last thing I'll say on this. Tongues is not the end game. Some churches are like, you gotta get tongues. It's gonna be tongue, tongue, tongues. Okay, I believe it's available for everyone. And when people say, do I have to speak in tongues? I say, you get to. You get to. It's not a have to, it's a get to. It's a great gift, but it's not the end game. It's part of the gifts in the Holy Spirit. Okay, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's part of the gifts. It's not the end games. It's just the start. And I would pray that we desire, as Paul said, the better gifts. He said, desire prophecy. Man, he said, desire run downhill. Desire faith and momentum. Other prophecies that have come to us, desire that. That really boosts the body. Go for the greater gifts. Go for healings and miracles and these things. Go for word of knowledge. Go for word of wisdom. Go for it. Let it boost the body. And although we believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today and tongues is for today, please, 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 don't make that the end. Don't rest. Like, oh, okay, now I got it. Whew, I'm in. And once you're in, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, and get all that God has for you because it's more than just an experience. It's a life. It's a life empowered by the Holy Spirit in a greater way with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. So, Lord, I pray right now for us. I pray that once again, we'd be open and receptive to all that you have for us. You have so much more for us, and we are open and receptive for that. For some, this is a new thing. They've just heard about this, and they're saying, all right, I'm in. I'm in. I receive it. I knew there was more, and I pray that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They'd see that prayer language gift given to them, and they'd go from there and flow in the other gifts. For others, I pray that as they process through, maybe they have things that have blocked it, but I pray that they would realize it's not because they're bad. It's not because they're hindering it because of some uh, inability to be good enough. The only thing is sometimes our biases and our fears and our misunderstandings cause a blockage where we're not able to fully be obedient for the things that we want to do for you, Lord. And I just pray that we'd get rid of that blockage. I pray that whether you baptize people in the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues right away or it happens a week from now or a month from now or ever that happens, I just pray that they would be receptive and open and now say, God, if there's more, I want it all. I want it all. Help us to live for more than experience, but to live a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we stand all across this place?